0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode two of My GM Academia. Today, we're going to be discussing world building and what it takes to build a world, uh, what it means to build a world, and some of the things that we've done when, well, building our own worlds. Returning guests are Robert Nesby and Tyler Wendell, your favorites, I'm sure. And we have a new guy here, too, a voice you've definitely heard over on High School D&D. Ross Irvin, voice of Dino.
1: Yeah, baby dolls. (laughs) (laughs) It's nice to join you guys.
0: Yeah, so uh, we we heard a little bit about what Rob and Tyler have done in the past for uh, DMing, but what kind of stuff have you done, Ross?
1: Uh, Mostly uh, taking over like a session, Uh, just dipping my toes in the waters, as it were. Uh, I'm currently running a game uh, where like it's kind of a continuation of a game that actually all three of us were involved in for high school D and D but for the most part uh, fairly minimal. Like I think this is the most extensive game I've actually played or run.
0: Okay. Yeah. I I find it interesting that we all are at least two campaigns.
2: (laughs) Well, I know, uh, I know Ross, you also have like experience with Pathfinder and uh, Starfinder, right?
1: Uh those are uh games that I ran but like didn't really get too far into cuz like schedules got conflicting and whatnot so uh, yes like like that's what I mean by minimal like uh overall I think I've finished like two complete games Uh, the the uh, bane of the
2: bane of every gm scheduling
1: conflicts (laughs) (laughs)
3: you you know what you'll find the longer you dm that the amount of games you finished doesn't get much higher but the amount of games you don't finish gets infinitely bigger (laughs) (laughs)
0: little
1: column a little column b Uh,
0: didn't rob have a short about that about the campfire
1: (laughs) yeah uh
2: uh-huh yeah home base
0: Yeah, home base. Uh, Yeah, you guys
2: should take a take a second. uh, Go check out quick DM tips for quick DM tips. And I'll be honest,
1: (laughs) those DM tips actually really help because, uh, like, especially that home base one, because the game I'm running, it's like uh, my whole thing is I want it to be like low stakes. That way, people don't feel bad if they miss games and whatnot, and like other people can join if they want to, and that really helps with the like dynamic between your players and whatnot because a home base is just where any role play can just happen and introducing new characters is like people just walk up to your home camp and they join your team
3: honestly i feel like that could be a whole that, could, that should be episode three uh, <laughs> <laughs> of my gm academia because i could go on about home bases forever i've done so many goofy ones and techy ones and, and all this other stuff. But that's not what we're talking about today, I don't think.
0: No, we're uh, talking about something that I think comes before picking your home base. Uh, and that's, of course, world building. So uh, I can see them on video. Show of hands, how many of you have all built your own world for uh, a, a Dungeons and Dragons game? Okay. So, okay. <laughs> i got Tyler raising two hands, Rob's raising one oh, hand, wait. and Ross is raising a finger. Okay, okay. And I, oh, my, my hand's raised too. Okay. Okay. So we've all done it. We've all said <laughs> we don't want to use the official world. We don't want to use an existing setting or world. We want to make our own world. And my question to you all is, well, why? Why is it better to do the, honestly, some, what sometimes dozens, maybe even i don't want to say hundreds but maybe hundreds of hours of work depending on how long a campaign is <laughs> why is it worth it to do that rather than use the the books that we definitely already own anyway what do you think Tell wait them. there's
3: there's lore in the books <laughs> <laughs> i i'm i'm joking but honestly like i know nothing about the D lore um and and you guys know me i'm a huge sci-fi fan like um i was gonna say like you know when they were talking about being in multiple games i have to be in at least one sci-fi game at any moment that's why i'm playing in a travelers game uh if i end up in two DD games i will find an online sci-fi game to join or something um it's just it's in my blood so my most recent example was we were using the DD 5e engine but i decided to make it sci-fi flavored ish uh ish so you know we still had swords we still had weapons but we also had um you know um handguns shotguns there's rocket ships flying machines and it was a little less a little more magical a little less uh or a little less magic a little more techie but um you know to answer your question specifically it's just because the lore in the book as as is doesn't meet my needs for the kind of games I want to run generally. Um, Can I run a standard straight of the mill, like from the book game? Yeah. But is that going to interest me? Is that going to make me invest my time into it? Not really. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I it can be anything. It could be flavor. It could be just the, the story concept I want to do, but, um, at the end of the day, it's just, if like you said, I, I'm going to invest a lot of time into this. So I want to invest a lot of time into something I enjoy. And even though the standard book worlds are nice, I don't enjoy putting my time into someone else's work or just having it all there for me. Uh, and you know, if I'm going to just borrow someone's whatever, you know, I'm going to borrow a universe I like, you know, if I, if I'm running a fantasy campaign, then, uh, why do I have to do the D and D 5e one? Why can't I do, you know, berserk? Um, <laughs> uh, why can't I do, you know, some other, um, fantasy based one? Uh, Lord of the Rings is one that I, I, and I think maybe all of us have used at
2: one point. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> Rob and Ross anything that y'all well, add to that? Or?
2: I mean I think all of that's fair but in particular uh, I have reviewed some like pre-made adventures uh, mostly like Curse of Strahd and the setting is really cool um, but at the same time for me it's like I I just I go to dming and gming because i like to tell a story and using those settings i feel like i'm basically in a box and so i'm limited based on what their setting is and their lore and which could be interesting it could be interesting to explore that and try to like see what you could do while you're being limited by that box but at the same time i mean i've i've been homebrewing worlds like since I started DMing, yeah, uh, it's just what I know.
0: <laughs> and you know, something about it is just—I think the reason why why I'm into it is just when it comes down to it, you're having fun playing Dungeons and Dragons with your friends. And if you do it right, you don't build the world yourself; you build it together. Oh, sure, um, right. Um, and maybe they don't always know that. Maybe in passing, they tell you that they really want to find some legendary bow, so three weeks down the line, you make a, a forest that has a quest for them or something. Uh, Amy, if you're listening, uh, I made a forest for you. We're going to get to it in three weeks. <laughs> um, only if you're listening, though. <laughs> yeah, I hope you're
3: listening. We want to. Um, we want to like and we want a subscription, or you're not getting the bow. Oh, she subscribed.
0: Oh, that's okay. true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need to see proof, or that bow is going to the warlock. <laughs> yeah, well, we know we're just going to Eldritch share. blast. Yeah, <laughs> and plus, just plus use one it. per sub. Uh, so okay, um, let's let's get into. The biggest can of worms what goes into a world and you sit down to prep your world building which even before session one probably comes after session zero um the last episode of this uh you got to think of all kinds of things that go in your world so what what sort of things go into your world and what goes first ross let's start with you uh
1: one thing that i'm doing with my current game is because i'm using the map that we had for our lost souls campaign Ah. like that most of that like geographically speaking is the same but like it's a couple centuries after the events of what happened when we were playing so the challenge that i had was what happened in that amount of time like how much has changed and so typically what i like to have in any of my games is like have organizations like factions and whatnot Mm. and have each of those factions like bring an importance to the overall like like continent you're on or like if you want to go further than that like have it be like world politics but uh yeah usually i'll start small and the longer you play the more you expand outwards
0: so so you begin with uh, you start with the water, earth, fire, and air kingdoms, and then uh, yeah, <laughs> and then you decide who's gonna be the fire nation. you decide who's the empire and who's the rebels before you even start building anything else. That's interesting. Uh,
1: typically, if I have like a like a source material in like my continent, like if I want to do my own map making, uh, that's also like priority, but I feel like that's a lot simpler to do because there's so many different ways to make your own custom map so oh, yeah. yeah i start with the
0: map that's where that's where i start i start yeah, with the map like oh yeah go from there yeah
1: before i even start doing any map things like i'm already thinking like what's the politics in this whole... <laughs> 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 Actually, i, I expect that from you
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah rob what's the first thing you put in your world
2: well so first i determine a theme
0: okay. um
2: and generally that's a conversation that comes between me and the players. And we did talk about that a lot in our last episode with session zero. Um, but once that themes decided, I actually like to start with kind of kind of like either a like tale from the past or like a legend or something that like, it, it kind of like sets the tone. For the entire campaign and the whole world. Um, so for example, for The Lost Souls, uh, it was very berserk themed. So I started when I started building that world out, my first thing I went with was the uh cork and his betrayal of everyone that he knew and loved and uh. whatnot. So I started with that. And from there, it was like, how did that affect things in the world? And um, how did the existence of these demonic kings affect the world? So that's where I started. But generally, what I like to do is I like to allow my players from that point to tell me about their homes. And I like them to effectively like design their own towns, regions, where they're from, tell me about it. You don't have to actually build it on the map. I'll do that myself, but I wanna know about it. I wanna hear about it because that helps with the tone and the themes of what's going on in the world and what people are like in this world.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I, I align a lot with that actually. This last campaign, when my, I told my players to meet their characters, I said, tell me your hometown and tell me how you got to this town. And um
3: Oh yeah, standard. That
0: that ended up being like the first six towns we visited. You know, and that all happened in the same region. So the first thing I actually made is a regional map. Uh and then that went into the world map. But yeah, start with a regional map. It's a classic trick, right? So right. what about you, Tyler? What's the first thing you build? Well,
3: uh, sorry for the groan during Quark. Um brilliant villain, by the way. Um, I think my hatred of him in the last game made everyone else uh, enjoy him as a villain, <laughs> but uh, I, I I do not want to talk about Quark. That is, <laughs> so I'm, I'm I'm shutting that down right now. Um, yes, uh, we we, we talked about this a little last time. I always start with a map. Um, uh, the the most vaguest map of all time. Uh, very similar to Rob. The first thing I do is I think of the nexus point. I think of the one spot in the timeline that that changed everything from how it was to how it is um and that is what decides the theme of the game so for example uh in my last campaign there was a war between machines and organics and the outcome of that war is why everything was the way it was in the campaign from the game before it um you know the nexus point was a uh, a galactic empire fell uh because it was a sci-fi game uh from the game before it there was you know some hyper advanced technology that just got wiped off the planet uh you know hyper advanced race that got wiped off of the planet so all of it starts with uh some nexus point some some critical bit of lore that's really kind of general when it starts but it helps, I think it helps gives the players like idea of how they wanna build their character, what their thoughts are gonna be. In my game, I, I tend to push morality. I tend to push uh, that more. So, you know, I feel like that helps them get an idea.
2: And I honestly think there's a lot of examples of that in fiction as well. And a specific example I, I can see is Dune. In Dune, the thing that kicks off everything is the butlerian jihad
3: or or a hobbit
2: finding a ring right right (laughs) in which the butlerian jihad is like literally the same example as machines and organics fighting but eventually because of that war mankind decides machines are are not something that we can depend on instead we're gonna develop ourselves so far that we're basically organic machines
3: oh yeah so <laughs> I, I i highly recommend if you're world building um because at the, your endpoint is narrative like that that's what you're trying to push like uh at least in my opinion um and maybe i'm more of a like a storyteller than like an architect uh, when it comes to my world building uh because the the world will be very fluid um I, I will destroy a continent uh rather than you, you know just to just to fix some uh just to get rid of some plot error uh so you know they're all there I will wipe a, a city off the map uh it, to to avoid those type of things but um but yeah so like I said you know that that's that's my thought process So, you know, there needs to be some conflict. There needs to be some bit of lore that kind of like kicks off the story. Uh,
2: And then, you know, once you've shared that with everyone. Well, um, and that, that bit of lore also gives like your players something to tie their characters to.
3: Exactly, yeah, and then and then when they start building your character, you can build your world better. So, for example, when when Rob started to build Flock, he was going to be this vanguard that hated machines. So I was like, okay, there's that's definitely a big political conflict. People who hate machines, people are okay with them. Uh, We had a druid that was like, I just want to live outside of the walls, the city walls. But so I was like, okay, there's a law that no one can live outside the city walls unless you know blank. And so he was trying to topple that. So like, and, and so every, all of the pieces just fall into place while people build. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, it doesn't take you too much world like not world. So it doesn't take you too much thought to get that, that off the ground. Uh, and then yes, it becomes collaborative and that makes your life so much easier.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. All three of y'all seem to start with lore. Somewhere, somewhere in there, lore, politics, the big next ne- exchange. change. I'm over architect myself. I uh, I, I like the places first, and then I just, and then, and then I kind of think, well, what could happen in these places? For me, right now, I, I definitely started with the regional map where everyone's from, um, and then once they get to the new region, is then I make the map based on what I think their party needs at the time, and then of course. Then the kind of story, I, I feel, I feel like when you when I say that, it sounds like it's more akin to railroading, because I think I get the hint that you all, uh, and I know that you all definitely don't like to railroad your players, which of course is forcing them to go down a specific route, right? Well, um, <laughs> not yeah, because I mean, because we all know that the players don't let it happen
3: <laughs> well I, I let me let me just say that railroading isn't as bad as people make it sound yeah um yeah there is i mean I mean, think about it uh in every story that you've ever heard there are things that have to happen to make other things happen and the, on the unfortunate part or maybe the fortunate part about D is you know you you can't really control everybody and you shouldn't try to but you know uh, uh not not necessarily railroading but definitely nudging people in the direction is perfectly acceptable uh because they want to play the story too you, you yeah. know that um that it's a collaborative story and if they just get way off topic it's okay to just kind of be like um you know here we go. Uh, You know, like just give you a little bit of a nudge.
0: The way I, the way I do that is I tell them what their overarching story is going to be. I say, this is the big plot and we will do this big plot, but how y'all get there is basically your own story. So I kind of try and do both. I try and basically, basically force them to go to the regions they're going to go to. It always literally actually this last session, they were on a train uh it actually took them yeah. well then you were literally <laughs> railroading them <laughs> but uh yeah i think that that that's that's, that's um I, I i i can plan out the story more effectively if i have settings for the places first actually that's, that's, i think i do better
3: with that well, I'll, I'll i'll throw this at you zelda is one of the greatest franchises out there um uh-huh. d- are are you railroaded in spirit tracks <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh well uh, this, this is getting to another topic so all other episode on let's world let's world. rein this back in here let's think um what goes rail-rated. in the world because y'all have mentioned lore for sure uh ross mentioned like political factions or crime guilds which i think oh, are yeah. things we've all fallen back on like these group of people that are evil for basically no reason are causing trouble what else goes into the world like what what are some of the earliest things you think of okay my world must have this must have this <laughs>
3: i'm uh i i'll start this one because this is one of my things like the aesthetic the i Uh, i i am like my maps will have no cities but they'll have swamp mountain uh desert they'll have you know it's probably because i played a lot of yeah because i played a lot of ranger uh you know wasteland uh magic areas non-magic areas uh you know just Uh, yeah biomes kind of aesthetics looks um the cities all i i may i might not even name the cities but maybe i'll put like you know a race there or something and give it give it an aesthetic too you know Mm. typically my dragonborn have like a more greco-roman aesthetic where my humans have more of like a um, a viking aesthetic and um you know elves might be more eastern and so in you know it's that that's kind of like the route i go but i i definitely like to do that little aesthetic bit uh okay. first and and a lot of that thankfully can be the burden can go on to the players but um you know sometimes they just either don't have an idea or they don't really care. And it's just like, uh, for me, that's super fun to just be like, <laughs> you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, so lore, aesthetic, factions, what else?
2: I mean, maybe unique geography. Ooh. Um, sometimes, good. so like I ran, I, I did this like, it was like a small like side spinoff thing. It was like a monster hunting campaign. I have to be yeah. careful not to say monster hunter because it wasn't monster hunter monster mm-hmm. hunting campaign mm-hmm. uh and like there not was a unique
0: not monster ranching
2: yeah no not monster oh. ranching no monster but so the <laughs> uh, effectively there was an event where a a like cataclysm in the continent just like split the continent uh down the middle and that's where the monsters came from they poured oh, out wow. of the hollow earth mm mm-hmm. Godzilla, (laughs) maybe. Ah, But anyways, so...
0: I I like that. I'm guilty of using towers. I'm guilty of being like, look at that tower that's there for some reason.
2: Yeah, that nobody knows,
3: right? You
2: can't even start. Of course, the BBEG doesn't live
3: there. (laughs) (laughs) My, My last game... Uh, the whole premise was there was what like t- 10 towers that have existed since all of time. And they were, they, they went almost to space and they were massive like geological structures that people lived in. And so, yeah, no, I, I, I towers. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: man. Okay. Uh, you mentioned the <coughs> BBEG, the big bad evil guy. Sure I know. did. When, do, when does that come up?
2: well i mean for me i'm gonna um, guess i'm
0: gonna guess pretty early i'm gonna guess that
2: uh i mean it depends generally generally i like to hear what my players are doing first um because i like to design my bbegs around my players just like i like to design my worlds around my players Uh, so um but I may already have something of an idea about them only because like we established, I like to throw out that little piece of lore at first. So maybe that lore involves a MacGuffin of some sort that the BBEG is chasing himself or trying to stop the players from chasing. Um, So um, I'm sure we'll, we'll get into how we treat bad guys at some point, but yeah. uh, (laughs) But I, I, I mean, it just depends on what the players do. That, that's why I feel about the yeah. big bad evil guys.
1: Yeah, I like the point that Rob made there with like what the players decide to do because, like one of the things that is a trick that I picked up from him incidentally was, uh, like having like an NPC that the players trust and whatnot, and then like depending on how you treat that NPC, like maybe they aren't very happy with how the players treat them and then like that is like the the catalyst for them making the switch to the dark side
3: oh yeah I I don't think you should ever build an NPC to betray the enemies and if you do do it once and just expect that no one's gonna ever trust your NPC again however if you build I've built NPCs where I'm like this is the goodest guy you know (laughs) <laughs> and then they have just beaten him into like to and uh they've just beaten him to the dark side and I've just been like, well, there's your bad guy. Especially because in <laughs> my games, um, I, I, I do build my BBEG kind of early because my BBEG is almost never a person, it's almost always a concept or an ideology. Uh we talked about this a little bit last time. It's like uh all the evil in the world. And maybe it just happens to manifest itself into a person. Uh but you know, last time, the last game I did, uh the the BBEG was a conflict between humans and robots. There was no singular bad guy. And eventually at the end, I did put a singular bad guy in just so they could have a fight. Um, you know, so it fit so the mechanics made sense, but you know. Um, that was, you know, pretty
0: much the last care I had, <laughs> you know. Okay, so I, I want to touch on a few things that y'all said we didn't really focus on, just uh, just to point them out. Uh, at one point, Ross, you said you used a map from a previous campaign. I have, because uh, <laughs> I think I think that's something that, um, I, I mean. I don't even think of when I first start building a campaign, but I think it's a great idea. Uh, do you, do you keep the same lore for the world?
1: Uh, the reason I'm keeping a lot of the same lore from the previous game, it's more it has to do with like what I want to do with that game, which is like like that was a game that helped me through some tough times, and like so like resurrecting it was kind of like my way of like allowing other people to continue to like reap the benefits of like what I gained from it. It So it
0: was a good world.
1: Yeah. It's a good world. And like, and the last world I actually built that I like put my time and effort into to like build a map and whatnot. Like that was one of my games that I put like a lot of thought into. And uh, like the premise of it was like, it was like an, A continent but it was like isolated in like space and time given like the lore of that like uh that story which i drew inspiration from supernatural and like the gods were like dragons who crash landed on the planet trying to like they're they were transporting this very dangerous like other dragon and they crash land and like they're the only ones who had magic and like basically anyone who is like within this like thousand, maybe 10,000 like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Radius? Oh. Yeah. Like diameter, whatever. Uh, they were imbued with the magic of the dragons. Oh. And so like I, I just dumped a whole bunch of lore into it. So uh, not quite sure <laughs> I was going with that.
0: No, but it's interesting.
3: How how magic exists is really important to yeah um, to a world.
2: Yeah, building. and you have and you have to determine what level is that magic because there may be high magic, low magic. Like yeah. Game of Thrones is very low magic, like there's yeah, barely true. any magic going on. But then you look at the Feywild in general and D and D lore. That's like really high magic. Ah, so now that game that game was.
1: Also. Yeah, that game was also a Pathfinder game and I really did want to be bogged down with all the Pathfinder lore. Uh so it was more like <laughs> I <agree>. Pathfinder homebrew
3: <laughs> <laughs> as um as you know, I talk about this all the time but someone who plays Halo and Nier Automata and Mass Effect, I like everything to be over the top, especially at the anger and login. Uh, nope. You know, I love everything to to er- eventually reach to the point of ridiculousness. So I almost always want my worlds to have high magic in them at some point. If you don't start there, you're getting there. Um, I thought it was really fun last game to have high magic and high versus high technology. Uh, so at the very end, they were casting spells on this gigantic robot that was, you know, the size okay. of a mountain, punching them. Uh, you know.
1: <laughs> that's pretty funny uh, like one of the things uh with the magic building that i really like to do is i like to throw conspiracies in my game too oh. and so like uh the thing i was gonna uh, that i was doing with that game was uh there's this episode of supernatural where they're facing off with this dude that's like haunting this house that has a bunch of graffiti in it and like it gets on the internet and everyone's like paying attention to it. And like one of the symbols is like this, like Tibetan, like golem building symbol called the Tulpa. And uh, the conspiracy was supposed to be the, like when these dragons like landed on the thing, it was too powerful for like the prisoner was going to destroy the entire world. So they like started marking everywhere within that radius with this Tulpa symbol and they essentially made the dragons become gods okay. through this like manifestation, like ritual that became their religion. And so like the idea was the every time they found these symbols, like they would know that, oh, shit, we need to destroy that. We're finding this everywhere. And the like, more they like kind of unravel this conspiracy, like they basically unlocked the big bad evil guy. Okay. Like, basically making the players the catalyst.
0: So, another strategy of just, yeah, letting the players uncover the world, but...
1: Yeah. yeah,
0: Okay, interesting. So, I wanted to get into... Because um, you mentioned the Feywild, you mentioned magic. At some point, well, we still keep some things from D&D, because I, I think that's something I, I brought up earlier. Uh, we all use the planes. The, my, my my world, I uh, never really changed much besides the material plane, and then there's always an ethereal plane, an astral plane, and, well, nine <laughs> shadowfell, or seem to be there. I, I I I use the plane map that comes comes with the book. Uh, f- I, and I mean I, he,
2: and the and he's referencing chapter two of the DMG, which is sure. creating a multiverse. It's page 43 in the Dungeon Master's Guide.
0: Yep.
3: I have never in my life used the D and D planes. Um, there is the material world. And if you guys want to do some planer hopping, you're hopping to my other D and D games or my other traveler games. And, and Rob can vouch for this. Yeah. Uh, they have, they, they sent one of, uh in, in one of my travelers games, they went into a and D world uh, on one of them. Uh, in the most recent game, they plane hopped into a Traveler's game uh, to watch like some dragon get gunned down by a bunch of mechs. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you know uh, I've sent them to Chet Frost's, my my future sci-fi world. I, I have never, ever, ever used the planes as they are in the book. Um, I almost exclusively, I, I, I try, I, I don't know why. I'm so adverse to them, but I avoid them like the plague. I'm just like, if I'm making my world, I'm making every bit of it. So screw your planes. You know, if you want to go to some (laughs) godlike plane, it's going to be, you know, this mine, (laughs) the one that I've decided.
0: Well, so how does how does Dimension Door spell work for your world? They pass through it. They see Chet Frost before they get to the other side of the. Isn't oh yeah, no. <laughs>
1: yeah he's fighting with james t kirk
0: we have flat out had that exact
3: situation play out you know <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, i think I, we had that uh, i think we had that uh something very similar to that i can't remember but i i know that we've had our D D characters run into our traveler characters on several 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 occasions
2: well i mean i've i'm I've used the traditional multiverse from D anD D pretty often. It's, yeah, me too. It's not, it's not like, um, it's not the Greyhawk setting or anything like that. But just the way they describe the planes, I have used that in particular.
3: Yeah. I've even, I've even had characters from completely different groups run in, you know, plane hop to characters of groups of people they've never met before. You know, I had um, mm. Ladrian, uh, which oh. which Rob knows was my wizard from a couple games ago, and he 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 starred in the last game as well, but uh, he popped up in a um, I want to say a Pathfinder universe we had where they grabbed and. You know, an extra planar being of some sort. And I was just kind of sitting there. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know. I was, I was like, it's a wizard. It's, it's Ladrian. <laughs> and this whole, and then it became like a whole thing on like returning him back to his universe. uh So it was, it was a really fun side quest.
2: Okay, and they, they love the in, character. <laughs> which I'm, that I literally used that in The Lost Souls too. Yeah, because we we never finished that remember tyler the yeah. the wizard thing so i was like i'm gonna let the i'm gonna let the lost souls finish that
0: so <laughs> it sounds like there's maybe like a spectrum between using D completely 100 percent what's in the books and what i feel like we've gotten to the territory of sometimes basically using the combat system and the monster stats at most yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah, that's what like. See, I'm in the middle somewhere. I still, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, the, buy, I'm the I'm the guy that buys the, uh, the Morden Canons Tome of Foes just to read the lore in there. You know, I'm the guy that buys the extra books. It's just to, just right. to see what lore is. You know, for these other kinds of races and stuff. I, I like integrating, the other lore for like the races and the monsters. I like integrating that into my own game um so i I do mix and match a lot i i I do mix and match well you need
2: i made a a good effort of at least the monster lore in that monster hunt campaign i did no no
3: i agree i played it Mm -hmm. um i feel like if you're if you're like me and uh you're avoiding the lore the the i guess the wizards of the coast lore like the plague uh you still need to know their lore they otherwise nothing nothing makes sense you know why are tieflings fire resistant well you know because they have some demonic blood in them uh and then like so in my last game demonic blood was machine blood so you know the the tieflings were more or less half machine and ergo they you know had fire resistant because they were part metal yeah <laughs> so i had to understand the lore i had to know the lore i had to read the lore in order to convert it to the setting i wanted um and i think if you're homebrewing uh your world or not homebrewing people hate that word but you know if you're building your own world you should understand it uh more than just the base level i i I, homebrew is appropriate for this
0: yeah
3: fair enough i i know some some uh and i not to alienate anyone in our audience but i know someone out there is going to really turn their nose up when i said that i I like to homebrew
2: things but it's (laughs) i I think it's mostly like homebrewing like statistics and stuff like that that's generally like i mean people will do it but it's not play tested so it's like who knows if it's fair if it works
0: yeah, I, I just reflavor monsters man. I just, I just take a monster yeah, and change same. the token just, just change the token same. I mean I, that's
2: literally all I've done High school D&D yeah.
0: I,
3: <laughs> I, I do that Because it's more convenient than using uh, The chapter in the D- Dungeon Master Guide where you can actually build Your own monster Right. However, sometimes, sometimes You just gotta roll up your sleeves and build Your monster um, At least that's my opinion You know
0: yeah. So I think I want to hear from everyone. If you had a number one, number two tip to someone to build a world, how they can do it. What is, what is your, uh, what is your, what is your advice to those who maybe they've never done it before? Maybe they said, you know, Oh, it's scary or something. What, what, what's your advice for building a world? Get your players,
2: time. get your players involved. You don't have to do it by yourself. And frankly, if you do it by yourself, your players probably won't be as engaged as you want them to be with your world in the first place. I have seen time and time again, certain, I'm not going to name names. I know DMs that build these huge elaborate worlds and all these intricate things. And then they're like, they throw a binder at you and they're like, read about this and specifically know this lore about your class and race and where you're from, blah blah blah. And then I'm expect you to play it and the players aren't gonna be engaged with that. That's not fun. Rob, I'm sitting right here. No, it's not you. (laughs) (laughs) It's not you. I'm not gonna name names, but I think you know who I'm talking about. Um oh we've all been in those games too. Right, right. Um. But like so it's like what's more fun it's like for you as a player someone throwing a book at you saying read this and know this or someone coming to you and being like what's your family like what's your home like did you have any friends what's the name of the town you're from what some traditions they may have had in the town you're from or the city or the island or whatever you know to me it's like that's also really fun because a lot of times, your players will come up with some ideas that you're going to run with. Oh yeah, yeah.
3: I- ask the most obscure, random questions. You uh, <laughs> you never know what is going to become a huge plot point. You know, do, is there food that your your character doesn't like? You know, even stuff <laughs> like that could end up being something great.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> I had a camp I and I had this campaign. I mean yeah, I'm in it right now. Uh one of my players said that her dad was the mayor of the town she he was in because he had the most cows. <laughs> and eventually nice. we showed up and Someone stole his cows, but the, the day before the big election, oh. and they had to get the cows back, and it, it was, a, it, was a, it was a big thing. And then the, they had to steal the Constitution uh, of Nick Haverbridge in order to to prove that the, the person he really had the most cows. And you know, and then
2: Tyler had us rescue
3: cows too. I know, and they met the cow god. Yeah. <laughs> Another proof that I don't follow the rules. <laughs> All right. All right. Tyler, what's
0: what's your tip for people?
3: um yeah well first of all do it um if you're scared don't be uh it's totally worth it because anything that you and your friends build you're going to be more invested in so uh if you're scared just ignore that voice and uh, just do something uh you have no idea for a map just google map (laughs) and scroll around until you see something you like you have no idea for like the name of something google obscure baby names from the 1700s uh you know like (laughs) you you can go (laughs) you can do you can have so much fun with just just yeah even if you're not the most creative person in the world you don't need to be um one of one of the most fun i had in a world building was i picked a a show that no one had seen at the point and i tried to disguise it so heavily that even if someone had seen the show they wouldn't realize that i was ripping off plot points from it uh, you know <laughs> and you know it that i wouldn't do that nowadays but you know when i was new and i had no creative ideas to run with or i didn't know how stories worked as well as i do now you know that worked for me and it worked for them uh
0: you know i i'm guilty of uh two hours before the campaign starts going to patreon and finding a map from one of the people i subscribe to on patreon (laughs) i'm guilty of. i mean it can be great because you can spend three hours making a city map but your characters will be like oh where's where's the guy at or you can go to patreon spend three minutes and support someone that um Oh yeah, made a beautiful map. So I'm guilty of doing that more often than not lately.
3: (laughs) And roll twenty has some decent ones for free. Yeah, roll twenty, and also like
1: I I use name
0: generators all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Don't be Don't be afraid. That's my my advice. Is you know uh, not to get all Shia buff on you, but just do it.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) I I used to go and find maps all the time, but now I have so much fun making maps that I make all my maps.
0: What do you use for (laughs) maps, Rob?
2: Dungeon draft and uh, yeah, dungeon draft and incarnate. A little
3: combination paint. of both. Uh, get a blank sheet of paper and a pen. Uh, <laughs> draw a funny <laughs> yeah. shape. I,
0: that's, we we all started. I guarantee all four of us started out doing that at some point. Dude,
2: so oh. I used to I used to draw maps and get them print out on yep. like those big like five five foot. By three foot, like sheets, and then lay it out on a table.
0: Yeah. And I would
2: like get a new one every week and like be like, This is the dungeon. Let's go. Like,
0: dad, take me to Kinko's. Like,
2: <sighs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. Ross, what you got? What you, what's your tip? Uh, I have like my overall tip is going to be when it comes to world building, uh, it's one of those things where it's like eating an elephant, you take one bite at a time. Don't be afraid to start small. Like, even if, like, wherever you're starting, like, it's just a town, like, you're going to get through session one and they're going to ask questions and you won't have the answers to them. But that's just, oh, yeah, that's a beginner's thing. Like, don't be afraid to expand after each session. Like, you don't have to do everything at once. Just, like, give yourself the time to just be like, <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, think utilize
1: about what it. your players like, get, like, what they're interested in and expand on that rather than just like just dumping all that lore on them. Like the Rob was mentioning earlier.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Think about it. Like how uh, a video game, like an old school video game, it renders only the areas around you that you can see. You don't need the rest. It's just a waste. Yeah. Uh, As, as your characters move, you, you render more of the area. Now it's less stressful for a DM. If you know what those areas look like, but you don't need to. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah
3: that, that's a good point
0: as uh someone who knows this firsthand like when you're teaching college you only got to be one week ahead of the students and as long as you're yeah. one week ahead of the students you, you can still teach them
2: well, um, one point i do want to also add i like to spend more overall time in preparation designing the home base rather than the full world um, and spending more time developing who the NPCs are in that home base than like who are the NPCs all throughout the world. Yeah. Those those worldwide NPCs you could develop over time, but those home base ones, a lot of times those are the guys that you're going to be interacting with on a session session basis.
0: And they're mm-hmm. memorable too. I mean, mm-hmm. Torvik Torvik was a character for the ages in the Lost Souls. Campaign. <laughs> I want
2: to I want to do some sort of like short series uh, where like basically it's torvik telling a story or something
3: from i the would love forest. to see
0: torvik telling it. We, we left him in the forest
3: yeah he's 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 fine right. he's fine <laughs> he'll, be, he'll all. be all right
0: <laughs> um
1: he'll live forever <laughs> we know that Turin and miguel will live forever
0: <laughs> oh hey man you got that pizza uh, I, I have to say, some, some some of the best lore and world building has come from a question when when some of the I almost said students when some of the when some of the players are just like oh what happens if I do this and I just say oh, it explodes or on the fly you know I uh, what happens if I use thunderstep on this train like it falls off the rails into the astral plane. <laughs> and then i'm googling astral plane map two minutes later you know it's uh some of the best lore and world I've come up with has been on the fly with no right. previous planning ever well so. you know
3: i have built encounters and then um been sitting there running the encounter trying to get us to this point and then it's usually ethan he says oh we're about to do this aren't we and then I'm just sitting there. I'm like, that's yes. so much better than what I had planned. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you got me again. You're always in my head. And then I'm like, quickly building a map in the background and stalling for time so I can take them over there. And I'm like, man, that's such a good idea. Why didn't I think of that earlier today? <laughs>
2: I'm not, I'm not trying to think, what is the GM doing? I'm usually trying to think, what is my character about to do?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I'll tell you my tip here, actually. And I got this again. I, th- I think I mentioned it last time. This, this lazy dungeon master guide that I, I keep. <laughs> the I, I guess I truly am lazy because I love this guide. It's uh, slyflourish.com. Again, we're not sponsored. I just love, I just love the guy. Uh, he, he says in there, you want to define the six truths of your world. What are the six truths of your world? And I'm looking at a document right now about what are the six truths of my world? And the, the players never seen this document. They don't know what the truths are. But for example, the one of the things I have the true about my world is there is a far reaching group of corrupt individuals whose influence overshadows smaller corrupt organizations. Uh, including assassins guilds demonic cults and general evil evildoers and who, who knows how cerberus. far their corruption has spread it's called cerberus we just did the
3: mass effect <laughs> it's
1: almost like <laughs> that's actually a, a not a bad idea role personality traits ideals flaws for your world
3: you mean like cyberpunk so um there is there is a table in the dungeon master guide at least for your where you can randomly generate bosses yeah. and and I've used that to influence the world. Yeah, uh, I had I had one boss that uh, wanted to do something. Their inspiration, I guess, I could talk about this now because the game's over. Um, it was really funny that uh, that character Enna that I built, she was an evil sorceress. She wanted to steal an organ from a human, which was our uh, cleric vigil. She stole his kidney. Uh, it was to save a loved one. Um. And um, but it was really funny because like what I rolled was she wanted to steal an organ to save a loved one. And her method of evil was creating uh, altering weather patterns. So, oh, <laughs> so the, no. and, and I was like, OK, how am I going to do this? Well, it turned out they only got la- uh, led to her base because there was a drought created by a dragon that was freezing the headwaters of a river and uh (laughs) and so when they went to investigate it they stumbled across her lair and she was able to find the human organ she she so desperately needed uh (laughs) oh boy but i was like i had to wrap my head around that for like a week to make it make sense but i randomly rolled it and you know what it it added to my world i was like well i have to have a mountain i have to have a drought area i have to have a place affected by this yeah one little thing
0: (laughs) you define in your world can change a ton of things
1: yeah like butter like butterfly effect
0: yeah absolutely so and after they solved it
1: what changed
0: uh, oh yeah absolutely yeah it's a big thing so I'm looking at, again, as this, this document. And I recommend everyone make like a Word document to organize themselves here. But I got 10 pages. Two of them are the six truths. Uh, I got three of them are character bios. I got a page for major cities that I want to have at some point. A page for dungeons and the treasure in that dungeon and the puzzles in that dungeon that I want to use at some mm-hmm. point. Um, some major people that I know will appear at some time. And then I have uh, bullet points for all the the five reasons I want them to go to. And like one thing that I hope will happen in that region. And I just keep this document and I check it before every game. When I say, okay, am I going to use any of this? Are they going to make any progress towards any of these things?
3: My, uh, my little addendum to that is because um, I used to use Google docs all the time. They're great. Oh, Cause yeah. you can pull them up on your phone if you're out. Um, but I switched it to putting it in roll 20, just because you can organize it a little better. And also because once your players find that area, you can just share it with them and it's already written and done.
0: Oh, that's um, true.
3: I definitely stole that from Rob, but I do not regret it in the slightest. Roll20 can
0: be very and, helpful for building worlds if you use it right, right?
2: Yes. And there's other virtual tabletops that I know a lot of people go by. And actually, if, like <laughs> if you ask Reddit, they're all going to tell you foundries like, way better than I haven't tried Roll20, yet. but but i'm i'm so familiar with roll 20 at this point it's like i don't know if i can move over to foundry it's another thing roll 20
3: another thing we haven't mentioned uh that roll 20 does really well but i we've done it on discord too is i i have musical cues for areas in my world um i don't i i don't know if you guys do that or not but like i don't know if you noticed every time i pulled up the world map the world map music was playing i had to every time i pulled up the index the index music playing because that set the theme as much as anything else i put into it so it's like i wanted i wanted the index to feel like peace which was their home base so i had the galaxy map music playing just this soft like boom 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 boom
2: boom 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 yeah every time they went well i mean it if you're a bunch of musical nerds, like music really adds to the the world and the
3: setting and
1: gives it ambiance.
2: And for when you have that one time. So
3: like I had this very peaceful music on the world map, because you know, when you're looking at it from the big perspective, it is quite peaceful, even though there's all this conflict going on. But then one day near the end of the campaign, this giant conflict breaks out and I can slap on some slapping heavy metal music and everyone knows, okay, what's normally been like our calming, helpful, nice area (laughs) is now in danger. Like it it gave them the cue right away. I didn't even have to say what was going on. I flipped it over. They heard the music. They knew something was happening.
1: So (laughs) (laughs) that's like a good tip from video games for your, like (laughs) for your table. Enemy music is playing. So I roll perception. No.
3: <laughs> that, I had some initiative music where I would I would put the music on and they would just roll initiative without even asking me. <laughs> huh. That's great.
0: And that kinda of also, but since you mentioned that's kind of the very last thing I wanted to mention is um sometimes starting a world and you brought this up earlier. You said you copied Berserk, Rob, right. Copied Berserk for one of the campaigns. Yeah, copy your favorite at game. At least or the at least the themes of it. Yeah. Yeah, just copy copy your favorite game. I mean, honestly, Zelda makes a great world. I mean, it's got the dungeons and the in-between the dungeons. I and mean, what else do you need? Mm-hmm. Right? It's got it's got the fanciful NPCs, and uh, I mean I mean, I think we've been inspired by games even for high school DD and even for this next thing we're getting planned here.
2: Yeah, high school DD is 100 percent influenced by Persona and Shin Megami Tensei.
3: I will add, um, and I stole this from uh, uh, Johnny uh, from Dicebreaker, which is uh, your NPCs, you know, they are a piece that you put on the board, but you're not the only person that can control them. And I think um, to expand upon that, that's true for your entire world. Everything that you put down in front of the players you're not the only person who can manip- manipulate these objects and touch these objects and affect them. So you know, if you kind of come in with that mindset, it will make it easier to run your game, uh, especially if you're starting from scratch when you're
2: home when you're building a world from scratch. Uh, wow. I guess, I guess, just to play off of that, and I'm gonna be really quick. NPCs affect your world too.
0: Yeah, yeah, should be living and breathing. It's uh what if uh if an npc murders murders a uh, the big bad evil guy when no one's around does he still make does he still make a sound right
2: <laughs> <laughs> or if he uh or if he sacrifices your mercenary band to become a demonic god <laughs> I,
3: I just i just like to avoid this situation where i've been in a lot of these games where you have the um the npc that the DM is, or the, the game master, the dungeon master, they are, they want their NPC to be this. And then the party does not want that. And they are stubborn and they're like, the, N- the, the NPC will not change. And at some point that's just being destructive to your story.
2: It's not. Right. Well, it, I'm going to pull the curtain back a little bit on the Lost Souls game that we ran. Um, someone was going to make that sacrifice whether it's the players and NPC, I didn't know who. And when y'all got to that moment, the players refused to make it. So I just made the logical choice at that point who it was going to be.
3: Yeah. And and that was based off of how we treated him. Exactly., um, you know, I think, I think several times in that game, my character was just like no respect to this guy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he did because, you know, we had similar backgrounds, but it was like professional courtesy was the extent of it. Right. But yeah. I remember at one point the a general walks in, you know, and my character is this, uh, you know, badass, tough fighter. And he's one of the generals. He walks in and my character's just saw like, who are you? <laughs> it's like I, I completely forgot you were one of the generals because i am so high on my own badassness that i can't remember anyone lesser <laughs> and i think that might have been why he went evil at the end <laughs> uh, at least part of it. It was,
1: he had to like take over at like the like leadership of that whole city even though he very much didn't want to, and which like my which character told him, we
3: forced, out. we forced it on him.
1: Yeah, I I flat out told him like, "There's no one else who can do it. It has to be you." And if you don't do it, then you may as well not call yourself a lost soul anymore.
2: <laughs> well, there was a lot more to it, but we don't have to get into that.
0: Yeah, I, I swear, one of these days we just need to have like a, 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 I don't even know how long conversation about the lost souls in general because that that was
2: but well honestly i want to make like a series of shorts where it's like torvik tells the story of the souls. something.
0: i mean uh, to to that i'll say sometimes you throw a dagger and it changes the course of the world (laughs) no No. i think it's time to wrap up Uh, uh thanks guys for joining me tonight and talking about world world building and such um I, uh I suspect if anyone leaves questions in the comments, you'll get some pretty good answers from these guys. Uh they're always lurking on the YouTube looking for people to help out here.
1: Yeah,
3: we're but, lurking. Oh yeah, give us uh if you if you want to hear something specifically, leave a comment. Uh Absolutely. if you want us to expand on something, leave a comment. Um we could we have the ideas, but you know, if we we also want to take the feedback because, you know, it's it just like our worlds our youtube channel is partly a collaborative effort
0: and it's uh, kind of a world (laughs) it's kind of a world yep yeah is there lore do we have lore
3: there is a lore uh maybe one of uh uh i I don't know if you've checked out the composer's corner well hold on a second let's (laughs) let's, let's,
0: save that let's save that
2: all right yeah yeah don't don't give it away
0: (laughs) okay let's um
2: let someone like a Hannah Banana try and figure this out.
0: Yeah. Shout out.
1: Shout out. Uh, <laughs> like this
0: video. <laughs> like this video. Like this video. Yeah, we <laughs> love him. <laughs> Thanks so much to Rob, Tyler, and Ross for joining us today. Be sure to check out our social media our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at SIO Tabletop. Catch us streaming on our Twitch at SIO Tabletop. Join our Patreon at SAO Gaming. And as always, check out our YouTube channel, Spell It Out, for the latest episodes of High School d and and the latest content that the guys at Spell It Out have to offer. See y'all next time.